pride poisons everything. Pride poisons every relationship there is, even the best. Marriages, religion, it poisons it all. Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who's constantly working on being more humble and meek, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. Yes, it's a lot of work for me to try and move towards humility. That is true. I will not disagree. It is a lot of work. Actually, at times I have noticed that. I appreciate you recognizing that. Oh, true. <laughs> anyway, so Father Len, this episode is going to be part two uh, on the dangers of pride. And we talked about grappling with how pride is a poison that affects all of us. It's very, very, very broad in its effects. And fittingly, we're also going to talk about the antidotes to this poison, humility and meekness. Right up your alley, Father Len. <laughs> I wish. But, you know, I do believe that. I believe whatever you say about pride, most people nod their head and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my problem, and I think the problem of most people, is that you nod your head, but you really don't wrestle and fight against pride. And yet pride is so poisonous and the real power is humility. And back to that book that I really did like about the spy master, because both of us realized that I really should have been like a James Bond priest. So I love this book about the spy master, how to become a spy, how to detect the truth. And he tells a story about um, having to investigate these awful murders from skinheads that skinheads were committing these random murders. And um, so they say, well, you know, you should do some sleuthing and background checks and very subtle. And the guy's like, how I'm just going to go and talk to him. So he actually just goes and knocks on the door of all these skinheads. And um, it's kind of amazing just talking to them in a very respectful manner. He tells the stories that, they just said everything. They spilled all the beans about how they killed this guy. Hmm. And if you'd go uh, from door to door to every skinhead, and if a skinhead didn't want to talk, he would say something like, well, I guess you're not really proud of being a skinhead then. Like they would literally give up yet. Oh yeah, we killed them. And just in this prideful thing about the violence and they have no idea that it's being recorded so appealing to their pride got him to spill the beans on everything. Right. That's... He didn't have to go undercover. And he said the tongue is the easiest knot to untie. People want to always like tell you things. And if you're a spy, the easiest way to manipulate other people is by using their pride against them. And like they're skinheads and they're defensive, but, and he's not defensive. His big thing is that, he was always really respectful. And why not? I, you know, he, why can't he be respectful? He has a real sense of power about himself. They're not a threat to him. Mm -hmm. Well, then they, uh, they had killed several blacks and other people. So they get sent to jail. Then there's one that was unsolved. And one of the skinheads has kind of this conversion and calls him to go to prison to tell him about this other murder. So he says, well, why, why are you telling me this? He says, because you always were so respectful about my dignity. 
And that's the power of being respectful. And here's the odd part. If you have a sense of yourself, your own self-worth, why can't you be respectful for other people? Even if they're, you know, obnoxious or ridiculous, you're the one who has a sense of respect about yourself. And he makes this point that I blew me away that the prideful are always defensive Mm -hmm. because they don't really have any real strength. It's a big facade. So they have to put all their energy into this image of power, but they really don't have true power within themselves. So this gets into my little thing. Like for me, I really had to question myself because I also read this interesting study about time is really important for status people that uh, if you have a little a status person, a sense of, of pride, time is very important to you. And that study really hit me because I often feel disrespected by people's sense of time. Like I look, think back my early priesthood and I used to go out to coffee with parishioners and everything was more Lucy you know, and, you know, have time for people. Now I slightly freak out with every request. Even like before this podcast, I had a woman in the parking lot who stopped and wanted to talk to me. And it was like, I, I got a meeting and the meeting is a podcast. And then just trying to get my computer stuff ready. The phone call comes in and this woman wants to schedule an appointment. And so I said, well, girl. And I said, well, you actually have to do that through the secretary. She handles all the appointments. I, I don't handle that. And she says, well, as long as I have you on the phone, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. But I said, oh, <laughs> I have some coming up in a few minutes. I can't. And even last week before the podcast, same thing happened just before the podcast, somebody called and wanted anointing at the hospital was dying of COVID. And like, I'm not going to reschedule with you because it's two weeks before my calendar is open again. So I always reserve one hour a day for emergency anointings. Uh-huh. And it's going to be after the podcast. So I told the secretary, well, I'll get there. But, you know, if he had COVID, he's been in the hospital for two weeks. I'll get there in an hour. Uh, of course, I get there and he's died. And I think from what I heard, the family was a little upset, but they had two weeks And here's the point. I get really slightly freaked out and defensive when people intrude upon my time because I'm busy. And remember that study said people who have a a sense of their own status are very defensive about time. And so maybe the real issue is not time, but status. You know, it said high status people want their time respected. And my point being is that that sense of panic and with me defensiveness about time is me refusing to wrestle with the real issue, which is my pride. You know, why don't these people respect my time? And so like my only point is that why I'm so defensive over anointing schedule, I do reserve an hour, but why I get defensive is too much pride. The spy master, he doesn't have to get defensive. That's what skinheads do because they're so weak inside. Uh huh. So, you know, the interesting part is what if it's like getting the skinheads on his side, that if I was more respectful, that maybe I wouldn't come off as defensive. 
The humble are comfortable with their vulnerability. It's the prideful that are armored up and defensive with all these facades. I should be comfortable with just saying, oh, you know, I'll get to you, but in an hour, I, I, I'm busy right now. So my only point being is that I think much of the world really is about pride. Many of the problems. I just gave you my example. Or I just talked to somebody um, a couple of days ago about uh, a Copa Magna, if you know what that is. I don't. Um, Okay, you'll love this. So for cardinals and archbishops and bishops, there's this thing called a Copa Magna, and it is like something from a fairy tale. It's like a bride's train that goes on like 20 feet, and you need like six people to carry it. So it's a train <laughs> behind you, right? Okay. And not only that, but have you ever seen it? And then they hold this kind of, um, well, I call it an, an umbrella, but it's really a, a canopy above their head uh-huh. and like it's such an overkill it's a liberace overkill of just how important i am <laughs> the problem is like you do those things and yes it's a big theatrical show that's almost ridiculous i mean it's almost like a disney cartoon but it poisoned you and i grew up with a bishop bishop trinan who was excessive in his simplicity and humility and that's a real power because it allowed him to see the truth. It allowed him to be this workaholic. The skinheads, even shaving their heads and the tattoos and all that other stuff, it's like the Copa Magna. It is this facade of just how important I am. And most of the world, they probably think like me. You know, you want to think, well, the real problem is you. <laughs> You're encroaching on my time. You're not respecting me. But in all honesty, the real problem is my pride is the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's so seductive. You don't even know it. Like all temptations, if you think about it, they're like an off-ramp to, you know, goofiness. And so like, have you ever, like, I, I had this in LA. I was driving around LA and I decided to stop and get a cup of coffee, right? And go to the bathroom. So I was like, oh, there's an exit. I'll just take this, get some coffee, get right Holy cow, it was like the worst labyrinth ever to get back onto the freeway. <laughs> it was like, did they not think about getting back on? Like he had to go through half the town just to find an on-ramp again. And I know this sounds like a s- silly analogy, is that it's so hard to find your way back once you get off on that off-ramp. And all temptations are kind of this off-ramp from the path to God. And I think one of the biggest off-ramps of all is pride, where you could be on that off-ramp and you're driving down as fast as you can, and you don't even know that you're off the way of success. Yep. And there's this great story about Alexander the Great. It's actually a sad story. But Alexander the Great had a little problem with pride, and he has this best friend, and his friend at one point actually saves his life. So that's his closest best friend. But once when they're drinking, his friend kind of mocks him and uh, makes some jokes about him. So Alexander, in this quick temper, takes a spear and thrusts it through his heart. And after he realized what he's doing, he's done. He's horribly depressed. So the only way to heal Alexander of this terrible grieving was to for his attendants to convince him, no, no, you're the king. 
So it's all right. If you're the king, it's legal to do. If you're the king, you had to do it. So their whole tactic was to appeal to his pride. But really, it just made him more sick. The grieving mm-hmm. would have made him more healthy. And he never really became great again. Pride is this terrible off-ramp to what you could become. And oftentimes, Christians have such a superficial understanding of temptation. No, really, they they don't even know when they're on the off-ramp. They often think that temptations are kind of like lust and say, oh my gosh, I would never do that. I would never do that. But real temptations are more banal and subtle. You don't even really see him coming. And think about this. When Satan tempts Jesus in the desert, he doesn't take him to the red light district. He doesn't take him some, you know, the, yeah, doesn't take him to the temple bar area in Ireland for some wild night of drinking. All the movies have it wrong on how to tempt somebody. Satan tempts him with bread and safety. It'd be too obvious just to tempt somebody with breasts and booze. The real temptation is over bread. You know, bread is the misuse of religion or the misuse of here's a bunch of bread. You can help others. You could feed others and they'll recognize how great you are. Really, it's the misuse of good things is what pride does. Those temptations are subtle and therefore really a lot more dangerous. It takes you on this off ramp and you don't even realize that you're on it. So my point being is that everybody would agree, oh yeah, pride is bad. But they really not set up with this red light warning system of, oh, I'm becoming prideful. In fact, once you start becoming prideful, it's like this machine that has to be fed. Do you remember that story? I think it's called the movie Little Shop of Whores. And I've heard called- of it, but I didn't see the movie. Oh, okay. So it's a bizarre movie. I don't remember it, but there's this plant, Seymour, that has to constantly be fed human beings. And uh, he's always like, feed me, must feed. And that's kind of what pride is, you know, where you constantly need these shows to prove that you're okay. And inside you're becoming less and less okay. You're becoming weaker and weaker and weaker because you're demanding more of these shows. So well, like, you, go ahead. You know, you, you were talking in the previous episode, I think you were talking about how an instinct to always correct people when they do something, say You're something wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it, it, I, I was thinking about that a lot because I, I guess I have a tendency to do that many times. But I also your wife noticed... told me that she just texted me <laughs> ten seconds ago. <laughs> I mean, I realize now that why do I have to do that? I mean, it is this, it is this pride thing, I guess, and it's a it to me, it's a guy thing too. And you see a bunch of guys sitting around talking, it's there's, dominant. There's so much of this one-upsmanship, you know. I, I I'll tell you a story about something I did, and then somebody else comes in and said I did that and ten times more. And I mean, it's it's a crazy thing. But in you were saying how pride you know, goes unnoticed. And just that little thing of feeling that instinct that you have to correct things, you know, even the simplest of things that you have to jump in and correct it. It's, uh, that's how subtle it is, I think. Yeah. And the the humble, they're comfortable with vulnerability. 
The prideful are always armored up and defensive and need more and more to show that, oh, I'm a little bit more in charge. And like C.S. Lewis, I love this. C.S. Lewis called hell the unsmiling concentration on self. I've got to think about that. The unsmiling concentration on self. Because I say this, I don't find prideful people very funny. Like yeah. They're not easy going. They can't laugh at themselves, you know, because you need this constant input of how great they are. But pride is such a subtle poison. You know, it's how Alexander the Great killed his sense of morality. And my point, I guess my second point is pride poisons everything. Pride poisons every relationship there is, even the best marriages, religion, it poisons it all. So like, there's this great story about Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar is this pagan king, really interesting study on pride. But at one point, he orders all the people to worship this golden statue. And it doesn't say it's a golden statue of him or some god. It just really says it's a huge lump of gold. And the point is, anything can be an idol. Anyone worshiping anything else but this lump of gold, he says, will be put to a horrible death. So, you know, these three boys are caught worshiping Yahweh and so are thrown into this fiery mountain to be burned alive. And they say this prayer, it's actually the same prayer that we say at Mass, let us be a sacrifice, let us die, let our lives be a self-sacrifice to God. And after they say the prayer, they're thrown in, but this miracle happens where they live. The miracle is not just that they didn't die, but they live in the presence of God. So they didn't die. And everywhere they look in creation, the snow, the sky, the animals, the Minnesotans, everywhere they look, (laughs) they see the presence of God. And when Nebuchadnezzar sees the miracle, he changes his mind and he says, no other God saves this way. And that's really true. What he means, what he didn't intend is that, what he didn't know is that, yeah, God saves through this act of death. But he's just thinking that they're preserved from death. So Nebuchadnezzar orders that anyone who rejects this God, Yahweh, will be tortured, killed, and their houses will be destroyed. Now note, it doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar starts to worship God. It doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, this is going to be my God. Nebuchadnezzar never dies to his own pride. So the religion just becomes another way that brings death. Like Nebuchadnezzar saving himself from embarrassment where he can't ruin somebody. He can't burn somebody. And the worst part is he had saw the miracle, understands Yahweh, but he turns it into another religion that just brings torture and death. What Nebuchadnezzar does is form religion into another totalitarian regime, just like him. Another thing that brutalizes people. Even if Nebuchadnezzar intellectually knows that Yahweh is the true God, he doesn't die to his pride. So even that good truth, that miracle becomes poisoned. Nebuchadnezzar Mm -hmm. only recognizes power. And when he sees the power of religion, he promotes this religion as another way of domination. But the miracle of the three boys was dying to self. 
that's when they really begin to live is when they died to themselves. That's the great miracle. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar thinks it's not about dying to power. It's just wielding a different power. And so my point being pride poisons all things, even truth, even religion. And it's so subtle, you don't even know it. And I, I gave actually a homily on it this Sunday, but there's this book called Good to Great. Did you ever read that book? I know the I know the book, but and I've read books by that same author, but I haven't read The Good to Great. Can I just give you a small synopsis of it? Please. So they do this study on what makes a company successful and great. And they actually look at fourteen hundred companies. You know, just thousands of companies. And they come down with eleven that had to increase market share at least three times, the best increased at ten times. And they profiled what took them from good to great. And one thing was the leadership team that had a, this combination that the leaders in a company were both uh, indomitably aggressive and had strong willpower. Mm-hmm. So that's grit and determination. But they also had, and this is a must, this selflessness and humility. So they were aggressive. They wanted to take their company to the next level. Like, and I, I have said, I love this. I think leaders should be aggressive. And I've met too many leaders that are laid back. Uh, that's great, but you shouldn't be in a position of leadership. You need to be aggressive and gritty. But that's not a good enough. Without humility, you'll destroy the company. And all these, all the leaders, and remember, it's 1,400 companies I went through. All of them that were they called it selflessly ambitious. They're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it because they love the company and the people they work with. So they never make the company about themselves. Like, wow, the best leaders are both aggressive and humble. And they found out the opposite as well. Any company where the leader has too much pride brings nothing but destruction to a company. But think about it. I don't think that applies just to companies. I think it applies to marriages. It applies um, to everything. And, and friendships and religion. And so my only point being is, wow, anybody who's intelligent, there's overwhelming evidence, not just good to great, but anecdotal evidence. Pride poisons everything. So if you do believe that pride poisons everything, then you're a spiritual person. That's my conclusion. You know, you're not spiritual because I don't really care that, you know, you wear yoga pants or say that you're religious. Like one tiny litmus test is you're truly a spiritual person if you believe that pride poisons everything. And if you say that you're religious, but refuse to wrestle with pride, then you're not a very spiritual person. You know, I want to be forced to look at how my pride controls me in these ways that I am getting defensive. And I have to admit, it does. That's why I get defensive about people say, oh, yeah, uh, could you, I want you to jump through this hoop and come immediately. Well, I live with appointments. I shouldn't be defensive about that. Mm -hmm. I can be, show them more respect like the spy master. And so really, I, I swear. When I find myself becoming defensive about these things, I always say an act of contrition because I know it's my self-worth and pride that, that is leading me to become aggressively defensive. 
You really are working on this, Father Lynn. I like well, it. Well, I have a lot to work on. <laughs> My God, I have a list, a huge list. But also, I kind of think that if you, let's say you say that you're an atheist, but you are trying to empty yourself for being controlled by pride, I would say, oh, no, that is a profession of faith that you believe in spiritual values. You're saying that's more powerful than what you, you know, you say you don't believe in God, and yet you take up the way of God, which is humility and dying to pride. So, yeah, I believe pride poisons everything. Worst of all is when it, to me, poisons religion, but it poisons marriages and companies. And it's so subtle. I think our country is not even aware of it. You know, it really is. I mean, the, these two episodes we've done have really made me think about that. And even responding to people that are so prideful, it's easy to get caught up in that. Like, I've got this friend who uh, his self-worth or self-esteem. No, no. It just, it seems that whenever he's around me, for some reason, he seems, and maybe it's me acting this way. I've been trying to examine that, but it, it seems that he somehow, he sees himself beneath me or whatever. And so every time we're together, he tries to pick some kind of a fight on something that he thinks I don't know anything about. He will ask me a question, you know, have you heard about this? And he knows good and well I haven't. And then he tells me, you know, I should, if I'm, you know, any kind of a good person, if I'm in the business that I'm in or whatever, I should be paying attention to that. And what the hell's wrong with me, you know, for not doing that? And, you know, I found myself kind of, instead of just letting it roll off at times, it just, it's so, so sad and bugs me so much that I get caught up in the game myself, you know, a little bit. It's, uh, it's crazy. You know, and I really admire the spy master that, you know, he just refuses to get caught up in the game of pride. And that's what yep. makes him such a great spy. I think it's but, really hard. I mean, the more that we've talked about this, it, I mean, if you start examining your life and seeing where you get defensive, where you, you know, have to correct somebody or something where you have to one up somebody, I mean, there's all, there's so many little subtle things and sometimes they're really small things, but it, it, it's pride. It, it really is. I see it. I'm really seeing it. I'm well, even going to start yeah. working on it, Father Len. And I thought I was humble and meek. Well, you could, this is the other thing. I, uh, like, I want to become like the spy master where, uh, listen, you can't pull my chains. Yep. So to be honest, I pull my own chains. I like, I, I love to make jokes, but yes, you do. But I, I like to make jokes about myself. I just make them in my head. And like, this sounds kind of strange. So I do say an act of contrition when I find myself defensive uh -huh. in my pride. But I also say a glory be when I find something that really cracks me up about myself, some stupid thing. So last night I was at the school board meeting and, you know, I have my cheater glasses to read the tiny print. And I actually admit I took this cheater glasses from the lost and found because I need it. So I grabbed a pair and I really like them. They're powerful. I love them. So I, I grabbed these cheater glasses from the lost and found and I'm sitting across this table and this woman, we all go to read something and this woman picks up her cheater glasses and they're exactly like mine. 
the one from the lost and found. And that's when it occurred to me, oh, dang it. I'm wearing women's cheater glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kept giggling to myself thinking, is she going to notice? Because I hope she doesn't. But I was just thinking, God, like if somebody like Karen Mahoney was there, this <laughs> previous school board, oh my God, she would have just turned it into a joke. <laughs> so <laughs> like I think it's good to develop self-deprecating sense of humor as a sense of power that when your friend does that, you know, why not turn it into a joke rather than a competition? Well, it, it, it also, I mean, it demonstrates, you know, not only humility and stuff, but vulnerability. I mean, if it's re if, if you're being real about teasing yourself and that really brings out a really honest conversation with people, I, I, I think self-deprecating humor is one of the greatest ways to bring out some kind of authenticity. I mean, it yeah, just, it always does. Vulnerability, that's powerful. It is. It's super powerful. The prideful are empty and weak inside. Yep. They could never tell a joke on themselves. No, unsmiling concentration on self. <laughs> All right. Well, Father Lynn, I, 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 have we finished with, uh, with, with pride? We are done with pride. We're done with pride. Okay. And hopefully we are both done with pride, but I know that probably can't be. We've got to keep working on it. So we welcome your comments and questions. You can get those to us really easy at our website, which is www.gshow.com. We have a little questions button there so that you can, you know, you can call us and leave us a voicemail or a text or an email. And we really appreciate getting that kind of feedback, which uh, we have gotten quite a bit this past week. So if, if you're enjoying the Wrestling With God show, and we hope that you are, we hope that you'll share your favorite episodes with your friends. And the big thing that would help people discover us is if you rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast just write us a little review or a rating that really helps people get a sense of what we do and how we do it and helps people discover us so we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life searching for truth meaning purpose and a lack of pride and lots of meekness humility and self-deprecating humor Thanks for listening. See you next time.